are continuing this morning in our Breathe series, and uh, we started our, this series last week, and we started with a scripture that uh, is going to base this whole series around, and the scripture is found in the book of Job. Remember, Job went through such a, a really tough time, kind of the lowest of the low, the worst that life could throw at you, but Job, throughout his uh, the worst time in his life, made this statement in Job 33.4, and the statement was, was this. For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And so that's what this series is all about. It's all about how to experience the breath of the Almighty God that gives us life uh, within us. And so last week we talked about the need to talk Scripture and the need to talk uh, about God. For when we talk about God with the people of God, then God shows up. And when God shows up, incredible things happen. Well, today we're going to look at another what I call a spiritual practice. But before we do that, I woke up this morning and uh, I was lying in bed and I could hear the rain, I looked out the window and uh, I saw the rain and immediately it takes me back to my childhood because I was born in England, raised in England, and it rains a whole lot. And and it reminds me of England, and it's funny because whenever it rains, somebody always says, there's always at least one person that says, does this remind you of back home? Like, you know, every single time, and there was one person this morning, I'm not going to point them out. Actually, there's probably a few this morning. But it actually does remind me of back home. That's the crazy thing about it. But talking about back home in England, there was... My father was a pastor, and he was a pastor for 42 years. And the very first church that he pastored was in a beautiful city in England called Worcester. It's in the county of Worcestershire, and you may be familiar with Worcestershire because Liam Perrin's Worcestershire sauce comes from Worcester, Worcestershire. And so if you like to cook, then uh, that is actually my hometown. That is where I was born in. And uh, so we lived in Worcester, and my, my father's first church was in Worcester. And my father, when we were little kids, he would go off in the morning, and he would go to the office, and he would come back at night, and you'd ask him, how was your day? And he would say, you know, it was good. He says, but I needed some inspiration today. And he would say this often. He said, so I needed some sermon inspiration, so I went to the Malvern Hills that he said. Now, the Malvern Hills, you have Worcester, and about 10 miles uh, uh, outside of Worcester, there's a little town called Malvern. And uh, Malvern sits at the foot of these hills. They're, they're not mountains by any chance, but, uh, but they're not just like little tiny hills either. Uh, it, you know, it's a day's walk up to the top and around and, and down. But this is the most tranquil place you'll ever find. And my father used to go up there quite a lot to go and get inspiration for his, uh, his sermons. Uh, if, if you're into music, the composer Elgar was from Worcester, and many of uh, Elgar's inspiration was spent walking on the Malvern Hills. And, uh, and and if you're into the Lord of the Rings, then Tolkien spent some time on the Malvern Hills. And if you know Lord of the Rings, there's a place called the Shire. And uh, if you stand on top of the Malvern Hills and you look out at the countryside of Worcestershire, then uh, you can imagine Tolkien coming up with this thing called the Shire. And we've actually got some pictures um, of them this morning. They're, they are It's a beautiful place. And so uh, uh, there, there, there's... Uh, 
at some of the Malvern Hills and they, they reach out. There's quite a few different peaks. Um, and then if you see the next picture and you should be able to see all the countryside around and it's just this beautiful place. And so my father used to go there to get his sermon inspiration. And he used to say, like, I would go by myself and I would just walk the hills um, in solitude and silence. And, uh, and, and God would just speak to me. He said, it's amazing the clarity that you can have when you walk on the top of these hills and nobody else is around at all. So I love going to this spot. But I always wondered, you know, I mean, my, my dad goes there for, for inspiration. I wonder if I will ever get a spot where I will find inspiration and be inspired. And I never found that spot um, at, at all. But then December uh, 2009 came along. In December 2009, many of you know December 2009 or 2009, 2008. You want to forget about it because many people lost their jobs. Many people, they saw their retirement just dive. Many people even lost their homes. We were in the biggest recession that our, our, our generation had ever seen. And I was transitioning out of the church that we were at. My, my wife was not working at the time. She was just freelancing, doing some freelance design, didn't really pay very much. And I was transitioning out of the church that I was at. And we knew that we were starting Generation Church and I just needed a job. That's it. I just needed a job. I didn't care what it was. I just needed a job so that we could pay the bills. But the problem was it was the biggest recession. There were no jobs around. So you apply for all these jobs and nobody ever calls you back or anything like that. And so one December morning, a Wednesday morning, early December, I decided I just need to get away and I need to go and pray because the anxiety and the fear was within me. I was losing peace. I was losing hope. And I, I, and, and I didn't know what to do. I know God had birthed this thing called Generation Church inside of us, but we just needed, I needed a job. So I got in my car and we lived in Bel Air at the time and I drove north on 24. And uh, I went all the way up to Rock State Park and I parked in one of those little parking lots that they have there just on Rocks Road. And I started to climb up the little hills there. And I came to the king and queen seats in Rock State Park. So these are kind of famous seats. You've got pictures right here. These are the rocks that like jet out. And uh, if you've never been there, then it's just a beautiful place uh, to, 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 to go. And uh, they're, they're, I think the reason they call them the king of queen seats is taken from uh, like back a long, long time ago. Uh, some of the Native Americans have had some like some uh, assemblies or some kind of rituals there on these, on these seats. So I walked up to the top and it was a December morning. So no one else is at the state park. And I'm by my myself and I come and sit on these rocks just on the ledge like that and uh, I wasn't going to jump so don't worry and uh, I just needed to spend some time with God so I sat there with about eight huge vultures and uh, for, for company and but it was the most amazing because you see out and you can see all the trees and you see all, all the leaves that have fallen and uh, it's an amazing sight and as I sat there I had an agenda I needed to get along with God because I needed to tell God, God, I need a job and I need you to provide for me. And as I sat up there, I pulled out my Bible. I got my little notebook and I opened my Bible. And as I opened it, I opened it to Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 says this, be still and know that I am God. I opened it as I read, I could not get past that one verse. Be still and know that I am God. I started looking at my Bible and suddenly for the next hour and a half, I just didn't say anything. 
I just sat there meditating on what God had said to me. Be still and know that I am God. I didn't write anything in my notebook. And it was like the breath of the Almighty that Job says, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It's like the breath of God started to breathe within me and give me life. And where I had anxiety, suddenly peace started to come. And it was this amazing moment in my life where suddenly I was in the middle of nowhere with nobody around. There was silence except for a few vultures and God started to speak. And it was in that moment I started to realize that's when my dad walked the Malvern Hills all those years. It was in that moment of solitude and silence that gods can suddenly start to speak. And in that moment, the Lord taught me that life-giving prayer is not found in the words that you can say. It's exercised through how open your ears are to listen. See, so often we come to God with prayer and we have our agendas and we want to say this and that to God. But the reality is this, is that often God is wanting to speak to us instead of listening to us speak to him. See, so often we have to come to him in a formal way and express our voice, express our requests, our petitions, our needs. And while there is a time for that, and we do need to let God know our requests, and we need to express vocally to God, more often than not, your prayers are answered when your mind is quiet and your heart is just enough still enough to listen to what God is saying. See, this is the thing. God already knows your heart. God knows the requests of your life. God knows the anxieties and the fears that are within you. God knows what you need today and what you need tomorrow. And sometimes God just wants us to be quiet just long enough so he could speak to us. So I got down from about an hour and a half later. I got up. I was getting hungry. So I walked down the hill and I got back into my car and I'd left my phone in the car just so I could totally switch off. And my phone came on and there was a voicemail. And the voicemail was from a guy at a company that I applied for a job at. And just some little low-paying job. And he says, would you like to come to an interview? So I went for the interview the next day. And he says, we don't really want you for the job that you applied for. He goes, but there's another one we haven't even advertised we would like you to consider. And it still wasn't great pay, but they offered me the job. I just needed a job. I said, yes. That was nine years ago. That job that I just needed because I needed some cash turned into the biggest blessing, one of the biggest blessings God has ever given to us in our lives. I'm still there at that company, and God has blessed us beyond anything. And I honestly think that may not have happened if I had not taken that moment of solitude and silence to receive the breath of the Almighty within me. See, a person's agenda has the potential to block the breath of the Almighty giving you life. So often we come before God and we want to tell him all this stuff, all this and that and that. And God is trying to feed us, but we're talking too much to actually receive the, feed, the food from him. It's like my son. I'm trying to feed him breakfast and he's just talking and talking and talking. I'm like, be quiet. Eat. That's all. And that's what God sometimes is saying to us. And I know why my dad spent all those hours on those hills that day. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, 
It's hard to judge whether Jesus was an introvert or an extrovert. I've heard lots of people talk about Jesus was definitely an introvert, but reality was Jesus was probably both because he was perfect in every way, right? So he was probably both introvert and extrovert. But there is a pattern to Jesus' life that shows us through his story, that we see through his story, and this is the pattern we see. The regular need to get away from the noise and spend time in solitude and silence before God. Let me explain. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, it tells us this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. For Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now notice it does not say this. It does not say Jesus went to the wilderness to pray. Like the wilderness was some super spiritual place where only God turns up. You know, we've all got those places where, uh, you know, if, if you're a praying person, you've all got those places that you like to pray. You know, because if you don't pray in that spot, then God doesn't speak as much. You know, your prayers aren't that powerful unless you're in that spot. Some people it's a closet, some people it's the basement, some people it's the car, you know, some people it's the beach. And uh, some people, you know, it's going for a walk or different things. But you've always got that place where God speaks. But it does not say that, that God, that Jesus went to the wilderness to pray. But Luke tells us this. He says, Jesus withdrew to the wilderness to pray. It's very different to going somewhere or withdrawing from somewhere. And notice he withdrew to the wilderness to pray. The word withdraw here is especially important for Jesus is being intentional in this moment. He's not just waking up saying, oh, I got to go and pray. Let me go pray like I go to church and pray. I go to the temple and pray. You know, it's like, oh, we got to go and pray before we go to bed or we go to pray before we have a meal. But Jesus is being intentional. In this moment, he is stepping out of the hustle and bustle of life for a moment to find a silent place. The reason he, he didn't go to some other place in the town. Or he didn't go down to his basement if they had a basement. Or he didn't get in his car if they had cars in those days to go and pray. Because Jesus was being intentional about withdrawing from life to receive life. He wanted to go to the wilderness where no one could bother him. Jesus got out of cell phone range. Jesus left his cell phone in the car. For even if we put our phone on silence, if you're like me, you're still attempted to constantly check the notifications, right? You know, even this morning, you may have your phone on silence here, and while I'm talking, you're like checking your Facebook notifications. You're at work, and your boss is talking, you're in a meeting, but you're still checking your notifications. You're not really withdrawing, you're just putting on silence not to be rude. And so often, we can do that. We, we, we can have great intentions, I want to go pray, I want to go spend time with God, but the hustle and bustle and the noise of life still interferes with us. So Jesus withdrew totally. Now, I am an introvert by nature. And the reason I'm an introvert, I love people. I love hanging out with people. I love being social. I love having people in my house. I, I, I love hanging out with, with, with you guys. I love meeting you on Sunday morning. But the reason I'm an introvert is because I get my energy when I have my alone time. When I'm with other people, my energy kind of gets sapped. Even though I love it and enjoy it, my energy gets sapped. And so when I'm alone, I find that I get my energy. So I crave solitude. 
I crave it. And when you have a three-year-old in the house, you don't get much solitude at all. I mean, you have no privacy at all. But really, most introverts are not the ones in need of solitude. Most of the time, I would say extroverts need it more than anybody else. And so if you're an extrovert this morning, you need to listen because you need to have times of solitude in your life. For you're not naturally inclined to understand how the noise can actually stop the breath of God giving you life. See, extroverts get energized by people. They love being around people, and they're energized when the party, they're energized when people are around for dinner, they're energized when they're chatting and talking. But just because something energizes your mind, it does not necessarily mean it's feeding your soul. In the same way, introverts should understand just because you enjoy time by yourself, it does not mean that that time of solitude is feeding your soul. Normally, it's just resting your mind. Here, we have to be intentional about what we do with the silence, what we do with our time of solitude. For this is what I've discovered. Silence without purpose is deafening. And solitude without a goal can become a place of temptation. Silence and a purpose can become deafening. Have you ever been in that place where it's just like silence? Maybe like when you were younger and you were dating and you went around, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend's house and the parents are there and you're at dinner and then everyone's just silent. It's like, hmm, do I say anything, you know? It's like you're in a place and everyone's just like really quiet. It's like, oh, please, please. We, we, before we started Generation Church, we, we went and visited a lot of other churches. And we went to one church and uh, the music started and, uh, and, and we, you know, it, it was kind of an energetic song. And there's my wife and, you know, she's Latin, so she's getting down with the grooves. And she's clapping and she's clapping and she's singing away. And I'm just looking around and I'm laughing. And then suddenly she realizes, whoa, everyone else is like not clapping at all. And it's like the claps get smaller and smaller. And then she sits on her hands. It was funny. I mean, let's be honest. You have those moments. See, silence without a purpose can be deafening. But solitude without a goal can become a place of temptation. For alone time without, without going there for a reason can cause people who are depressed to get more depressed. People who are anxious to become even more analytical about their anxiety, become more anxious about it. It can cause people to become idle. And when people comes idle, what's the old saying? You know, the devil's workhouse, idleness is the devil's workhouse. And that's what can happen. So Jesus was intentional about his moments of silence and solitude. He didn't use the time to sleep and eat. He practiced sleeping when he was tired. And eating for Jesus was an opportunity to develop relationships with others. You ne rarely see Jesus eating by himself. He's not the guy, uh, you know, at the lunchtime who everyone else is chatting and he's off at, at his desk just eating by himself. Jesus used eating as a social thing to build community. And so if Jesus, being the Son of God, the most perfect man who ever lived, thought it was important to get out of the noise and withdraw to spend time with the Father, then we should take notes and work and develop in this spiritual practice 
that without a doubt will fill our lives with the breath of the Almighty. So very quickly this morning, this is what we're going to do before we finish. I want us to take a look at four times that Jesus withdrew into the wilderness to pray, withdrew from the noise to have time of silence and solitude in order to receive the breath of the Almighty. And the first time we see Jesus do this is when Jesus was tired. When Jesus was tired. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, it tells us this. After sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills to pray by himself. Night fell while he was there alone. Now this verse comes directly after Jesus has spent the day teaching the multitudes. The multitudes of people are following him and he's teaching them, he's telling them. And then Jesus has just performed one of the famous miracles. He has just turned five loaves of bread and two small fish into 5,000 family meals, right? I mean, he's just turned this little basket into golden corral on steroids. I mean, it's just amazing what Jesus has just done. But the day, that day started off with some bad news. Jesus had heard that his good friend and cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. Jesus was emotionally tired. Jesus was mourning. Jesus was distraught. Jesus didn't know what the world was going to hold that day for him. And we see 10 verses later in Matthew 14, verse 13, that the Bible tells us this, that Jesus went to a remote place to be by himself, but the crowds followed him. So Jesus just heard that his friend, John the Baptist, has died. And I don't know about you, but when I get bad news, I don't really want to be in a party. I don't want lots of people being around. I I like to be myself to process it and, and to think through the bad news. And this is what happened to Jesus. Jesus wanted to be by himself, but the crowds followed him. So Jesus already is mentally tired. And the crowds have followed Jesus. And now they, they were demanding that Jesus would teach them. And Jesus starts teaching them. Jesus performs this miracle. And by the time the crowd started to leave, Jesus is completely exhausted. Have you ever felt like that? Completely exhausted? Mentally exhausted? Spiritually exhausted? Emotionally exhausted? Like, I just can't take any more. I'm like, I need to get away from everything because if something else happens, then I'm not going to be responsible for my actions. Most people, including myself, would have done this. I want to find my bed. I want to go to sleep. I want to wake up tomorrow and just start all over again. However, Jesus is teaching us a valuable life lesson here. The problem is when we are tired, we have the potential to make unwise choices. When we are tired, we can fall into temptation pretty easy. And the life lesson that Jesus is teaching us is this. Jesus, instead of going to sleep, went and withdrew himself to spend time with God. Just him and God. The life lesson that Jesus is teaching us is when you are tired, true rest will come from the Lord, not from your bed. True rest will come from the Lord and not from your bed. I am a big believer in the bed. I love my bed. 
I love to sleep. But this is what I know. When I am mentally tired and emotionally tired and totally drained, sleeping for 12 hours in my bed, it's like putting a Band-Aid on it. When I spend time with the Lord, I find true rest. A moment of silence before your heavenly Father will recharge your soul so much greater than 12 hours under the covers. So when you are tired, the temptation is to sleep. But if you want the breath of the Almighty, then withdraw into solitude and silence and spend a little bit of time with God. Jesus showed us some other examples of when he withdrew into, soli- uh, into solitude and silence. The second one was after personal victories. After personal victories. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says this. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Isolated, meaning no one else is around, just Jesus and God. That's it. Now the evening before this verse Jesus had defeated the powers of darkness. The Bible tells us that Jesus had cast out evil spirits uh, among many people. He had healed sick. The Bible even tells us that the demons couldn't even speak because of the power of Jesus. Jesus was showing that the kingdom of God is more powerful than the kingdom of darkness. That light overcomes darkness. And, And so Jesus had this incredible moment of victory over the powers of darkness. Most people would have celebrated, right? We would have gone somewhere and just celebrated and rejoiced, but not Jesus. Instead, Jesus withdrew into solitude. Jesus went into silence. Why? Because Jesus understood that after every victory, number one, there always comes an ambush. When we're dealing with the powers of darkness, the powers of darkness will always try to ambush you. But also he understood that one, one battle does not win the war. And he had to be ready for the next battle and recharge. And so that morning, Jesus went to a, an isolated place and he prayed. And then he came out and guess what? The crowd started to follow him again. And suddenly they wanted to, him to teach, uh, teach them. And then he prayed for, 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 for many and he healed many sick. And saw many miracles. The life lesson Jesus is teaching us here is this. The adrenaline of victory will fool you into thinking you have more breath in your lungs than you really do. When you are victorious, you have adrenaline. You have more energy than you think that you have. You're, you're, you're ready just to rejoice. You know, why, why is it that sports stars, that they, 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 they have a grueling uh, uh, game of whatever they play and they are tired, that they can hardly like walk at the end. But as soon as the whistle goes and they realize they win, suddenly they've got enough energy to pop the champagne and spray it everywhere and, and you know, run into the stands and, and, and party for the next 24 hours, right? Because of the adrenaline. Stop, recharge, and withdraw for the noise to allow God to refuel you after victories in your life. The third thing that we see when Jesus withdrew from the noise was before any big decisions. Before big decisions. Luke chapter 6 verses 12 and 13 tells us this. One day, 
soon after Jesus went up to pray, went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So Jesus went to the mountain. He spent all night before God. So he didn't even sleep this night. And then he came down and he had many people who followed him. And he said, you 12, you are going to be my apostles. If the wisest, most intellectual man who ever lived needed to spend time alone to listen from God when he had a big decision to make, then we should realize that we really should be doing the same before we have any major decisions in our lives to make. Many of our decisions are made out of desire or emotion or because we've dreamed about it all our lives or because it just looks good to us. But why did Jesus choose the 12 disciples that he did? Let me tell you, it was not because of human wisdom. It was not because of their resumes. It was not because of their experience or their references. Jesus needed to listen to the Father. He prayed all night. And I can imagine the conversation between Jesus and the Father. The Father is saying to Jesus, pick Matthew. And Jesus is saying, "Mm, was that God? Was that God? Or was that the Mexican I just had? You know, I mean, it's like, I don't think that was God. Matthew, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. And then I can imagine the father impressing on Jesus to choose Simon the Zealot. And Jesus saying, God, are you crazy? That guy's going to start a war. He is way too passionate about political things. If he posts anything on Facebook, we're going to have no friends at all. Why would you choose Simon? But Jesus is saying, no, choose him. There's no way that Jesus in human wisdom, would have chosen those 12. But after spending a night alone, just him and God, he comes and chooses these 12. Here's the life lesson that Jesus is teaching us. Human wisdom always falls short of God direction. Did you know there's not a major decision in your life that needs to be made that cannot wait till tomorrow? So often we're like, we've got to make this right now. I, I told you a few weeks ago about our, our, our experience in a car dealership. It's like they're like, you have to make this decision right now. You will not leave the car dealership until you have bought a car from us. But this is what I know. There's not a major decision in your life that can't wait till tomorrow. So before you have major decisions to make, withdraw like Jesus did. Spend time with the Father. Just you in silence before God. And then the last thing that Jesus shows us here about when he withdrew into solitude and silence was when life was heading out of control. How many of you have ever experienced life out of control? It's not a happy place, I'm telling you. When life was out of control, John chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. It's the same story. Jesus feeds the 5,000, but John takes a different look at it. And John says this, After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, 
he slipped away into the hills by himself. Jesus can see that the people were mistaking the reason why Jesus was there. They wanted a king. They wanted a revolutionary. They wanted to go to war against Rome. And Jesus was the man. But that was not the reason why Jesus was here. Things were starting to get a little out of control. So instead of making a statement saying, this is my statement. This is why I am here. Instead of being taken up in the moment, Jesus did what was best, what he knew was best. And that was to take on the spiritual practice of solitude and silence. Jesus needed to refocus, to realign. He needed to get a handle on the situation. And the life lesson that Jesus is showing us here is this. When things are going too fast or things are starting to slip through your fingers, then get alone with the one who controls the oceans and the waves and the stars and the sun and, 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 and the one who controls your life in the palm of his hands. For he is the one who will bring calm to the choppy waters. Jesus continually through the gospel shows us the need to withdraw into moments of solitude and silence. I love to play golf. Love it. And I enjoy playing with other people, but sometimes I can be a lot too competitive when I play with other people. So it's not that relaxing for me. But I really enjoy playing golf by myself. I love to go out, you know, on the links and just walk a few holes and just not have to think about anything. Not have to think about my day, not have to think about my worries, not about to think about what I got to do that day, that later that day or tomorrow. Just think about nothing at all. I, I love to, to, to go out and just get some exercise and just go walk. It's, it's very nice and then hit a little white golf ball around while I'm doing it. And while sometimes it recharges my physical energy and it clears my mind, this is what I know. It has never recharged my soul. It's never recharged my soul. But this is what I know. Whenever I have spent time alone, with the purpose of connecting with my Heavenly Father and listening from my Heavenly Father. This is what ha has happened every single time. My mind has been recharged. My soul has been renewed. And I find I have energy to take on whatever life throws at me. So when was the last time you took a moment to be silent? When was the last time you took a moment to be silent? When was the last time you took a moment to withdraw into intentional solitude? With the intention of connecting with God. I want to ask you four questions today. The first one is this. Do you need rest? Do you need rest? Are you tired? Second question is, do you need to refuel? Are your batteries a little low? You once were the Energizer Bunny, but now you're like a slow turtle. Do you have any big decisions to make? 
or is life getting out of control? I want you to look at the screen. I want you to look at each of those four questions. And is any of those happening to you right now? And if you identify one, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads in prayer as soon as you've identified one. If life is great and life is good, then just remember, Jesus also withdrew after personal victories as well. But as you start to bow your heads and close your eyes, we're just going to spend just a few moments, not very long, just in silence. I know in church we don't like silence very much. But I want to give God the opportunity this morning to start to breathe life back into you again. And then this week, make sure to be intentional about finding a moment, whether it's early in the morning, whether it's late at night, whether it's getting out of bed at 2.30 in the morning while all the kids are asleep, just to spend a moment in solitude and silence before God. And watch how God will start to recharge you as the breath of the Almighty is breathed into you. So let's just spend a moment just in silence this morning. Father God, we thank you this morning for the life lessons that we have through the very life of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus shows us the way. He is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And we understand how Jesus lived. God, we should also practice those ways as well and we should live like Jesus, to be true disciples of Jesus. And God, this morning we ask that you will help us in a noisy, hectic, chaotic, busy, hustle and bustle world that we live in, especially here on the East Coast. Father, we pray that you will help us to find moments and opportunities and places that we can withdraw from that noise so that we can hear from you. Father, we pray that our agendas will not get in the way of you breathing life into us. That our mouths will not get in the way of our ears to listen from you. that we will hear from you and you will speak and you will guide and you will direct and you will recharge and you will renew and you will refresh our souls. So Father God, this morning we ask that this week that we will find those moments as Jesus found to receive from you. So help us, God. Help us find those moments.